Hey everybody, welcome back to 9-4 Radio. I'm Sarah, I'm your host, and I'm the founder of 9-4 Coaching. I help committed people who are tired of feeling broken or volatile build and rebuild emotional and physical durability using movement practice, breath work, and getting outside. This episode is a part of our Service to Civilian series. It takes months to turn a civilian into a soldier, airman, sailor, or marine, and it takes one piece of paper to turn that service member back into a civilian. Regardless of how ready we are to leave the military, there's nothing to prepare us for the hollow feeling in our stomachs the day that we don't have a first formation to report to. Even under the most ideal circumstances, it's common for us to feel isolated and alone. You're not alone. These conversations are here to be a part of, to hear our stories, and to know that you're not alone. We will talk about habits, programs, and strategies we found useful in our transition to give you a place to start if you're looking. Without further ado, please enjoy our conversation. Hey everybody, uh, welcome. Uh, I've got John Perez Cruz with me, and um, he is a self-mastery coach and CEO of The Rising Warrior, specializing in guiding veterans and first responders to find their purpose and create their unique mission. John's mission is to guide veterans um, to shift from constant sacrifice and operating as a lone wolf to living fulfilled lives as embodied warriors. John, welcome to 9-4 Radio. Hey, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, the first like jumping off question I, I, wanna, I want to, to dive into is, can you give us, give our audience um, a, a brief story or your unique experience transitioning from the military to, uh, to being a civilian again? Yeah, absolutely. I can. I would love to do that. Um, so uh, to give a little background in my military career to begin with, um, so I was a, a Naval Academy grad. I did that um, 2009 to 2014, did a prep school year right before that. Um, and out of there, um, commissioned into the Marine Corps uh, as a ground officer and then as a logistics officer is what my MOS was in the Marine Corps. Uh, I was stationed out in 29 Palms, California, sunny, sunny, beautiful, deserty, <laughs> terrible and beautiful place. Um, lots of solitude out there and uh, with an LAR battalion. So for you army folks, it's a light armor reconnaissance, similar to Bradley's similar function of uh, reconnaissance uh, for the main element. Um, so uh, coming out of the Marine Corps, I... Uh, in 2014, excuse me, 2019 was my contract was up, so I did five years. Um, and in that time, I was stationed the whole time there in 29 Palms. Uh, decided that uh, at the end of my service, I just, you know, I'll say this, 29 Palms reveals basically anything that you've ever hid from. Um, because there's just not much to do, and it is a desolate place. And so... Uh, that coupled with the fact that the training is intense and fast paced um, and my own experience of just knowing uh, 
logistics in the military, sort of understanding the broader picture, being on a staff really early. My first platoon was 75 guys uh, running a, a motor transport team or a platoon. Uh, and then, like, actually being on a battalion staff, like, understanding all these different aspects of logistics, just seeing a little bit of a broader picture. Um, I started to to connect the dots between sort of what the military does, large, you know, perspective, which is I studied politics in undergrad. So I started to kind of see the, the, the tactical side to the strategic side, or at least start to piece those two together. And then just the day-to-day -day grind of, of being in the military, uh, active duty out there in 29 Palms. It wears on you. It did. It wore on me. I'll say that much. Um, so I decided to get out uh, towards the end of. Let's see. I knew I wanted to leave in 20, 2017, and then I I didn't make the final decision until twenty eighteen. Um, and in twenty nineteen is when I started sort of that transition period, and it started with a, um, a really useful. Uh, program called uh, Corporate Fellowship Program, which is through DOD SkillBridge Institute uh, or DOD SkillBridge Program. And basically, I had an opportunity to go to uh, New York City to do a three-month uh, TAD uh, in uh, at a company, at a media company. So I worked at HuffPost, which is underneath the umbrella of uh, Verizon Media in New York City. I think they've sold it now. So it's a little bit different, but at the time it was under under Verizon Media, so hugely different. I mean, you can't find more opposite environments, like super intense masculine Marine Corps Infantry Battalion to like it's very highly hyper feminine. I would say it was like 85% women uh, in New York City. So desert New York City. So it was a huge shift in my in my whole world, and I was really excited for it. Like that was exactly what I was looking for. Um, and by the way, knowing that like generally people do these things to help them transition it's essentially doing a and a TAD internship that could lead you to a job uh for me personally at the time i knew i didn't want to take the job i just wanted to have this experience and like learn at the time what it meant to be like in corporate working in media working basically anywhere outside of the military where things were a little bit more the way i understood it back then um there were companies that felt stuffy and 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 old school, um, like Bank of America, like these sort of bigger companies out there that were very rigid, similar structure to the military. And then there were companies that were more like, you know, at least at the time, what I what I felt was like they were tech companies, a little bit newer, more more chill. You know, like they would serve, uh, they would cater five different kinds of lunches every day, and you could it, it was all included, so employees didn't have to pay out of pocket for that kind of stuff and. They were like meditation rooms and, and you could play ping pong upstairs or whatever. Like there was this, the classic sort of tech company vibe. Um, and so I, I had to, I got to experience that. And that was really cool because I was on the strategy team at HuffPost. And I was basically just learning what it was like to be in a newsroom and understanding how everything peaches together at the same time. Um, so they didn't have much for me to do, like in terms of here's your job. And it was more like, hey, man, this is sort of your open landscape to learn from everybody. So I interviewed people. I got lunches with people. I understood like what everybody did, how they connected together, what the purpose of media is, how media was funded, um, which is eye-opening in many ways because I, I didn't really understand like the fact that media makes very little money to begin with. Um, 
and it's actually mostly uh, supported by uh, sponsors or advertisers, I guess, at the at the larger scale. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's how they make their money. That's how they support the business. So it doesn't actually make that much money, and that's why you'll see a lot of places now have subscription models. We pay a dollar for a month or $2 or $5, whatever it is, so that they can actually make more income and that there's a whole rabbit hole you can go down there about that. But anyway, it was a really eye-opening experience being in New York City, sort of being free. Like I remember I stopped cutting my hair. I, I wasn't wearing a uniform anymore. I, I got a tattoo out there. I, I just really embraced the whole transition. Even though I was technically still TAD, I was like, dude, I'm technically, I'm already out. In my mind, I was already up. So that experience led to uh, realizing like I didn't want to be in I didn't know what I wanted to do specifically, but I knew that what I'd experienced at th that summer isn't what I wanted to do. And I, I really was just yearning to be free. Um, so I decided that summer, well, this was already on my mind uh, earlier on in that spring, but that summer I, pl I did the planning for a, a backpacking trip in Europe, um, which originally I intended to be for a year. But for, uh, I ended up only doing about three, yeah, about three months in, in Europe and went to uh, Spain, England, and Ireland and did a different style of backpacking, basically just hosteling and stuff but um, and staying with some friends in England. Um, but it was like 10 days at a time. So I would stay at a city for like seven or 10 days. So like long term, I got to really hang out there, got to really explore. And in that period is when I really started sort of getting to know myself outside of the uniform outside of um, the rules and regulations of military. You know, I'd been in a military environment since I was 17. Um, so, you know, coming out at 28, I was like, all right, who am I? What's going on? And uh, this is when I had a lot of self-expression and a ton of doubt, a ton of uh, challenge, like trying to define my identity. What did it even mean to have an identity? How do you transition this thing? And unlike most people that I knew who got jobs like right after they got out of the military, I was like, I don't, I know that that's the path to staying, to getting stuck in some other version of me. Um, so I don't want to go do that right now. Uh, anyway, I had a blast doing my traveling. It was, it was like, it was really, really fun at some points and, and sh so shitty, like being completely alone in the middle of Ireland, like on a rainy day, like what the fuck am I doing? Um, so I ended up uh, coming back a bit early, like I said, about three months. Um, and that transition, again, I, I decided what I really wanted to do was explore this like art that I'd been that I've been exploring with. So I started writing poetry. I wanted to learn music. Um, you know, I'd, I'd owned the guitar for like a year, but I've, I'd played it like three times. If anybody out there has ever had that experience. Um, just having the instrument and not actually know how to play it uh, and, and really yearning for that exploration of, of like this part of me that I felt that I'd left behind when I was in high school. Um, so I was like, all right, well, I got money. I got savings. Uh, I have an opportunity to go do something else. Let's let's just send it because I don't want to go work for the man, quote unquote, is what I would say back then. Um, and so I, I decided to move to Austin, Texas. I had one friend who lived down there and I'd already visited once. And I really liked it down there. Um, and it was so different than like 29 Palms or Annapolis where I went to school or where I went, you know, where I lived as a kid in Massachusetts. I was like, this is going to be so much fun. And I get to be a whole new person in an entirely new place with, with only one person who knew me in that entire place. 
So called my buddy. I was like, we're doing it. He didn't actually believe me uh, right away. So it took him uh, me getting really serious and like asking about rent and all these different things. And so we ended up moving together with another friend of his, uh, you know, and a nice, super nice house, by the way, but which now in Austin would cost a shit ton more because um, that place is blown up. But uh, got a place down there, moved down there, super cheap rent, like, I don't know, 800 bucks a month or something. And then, um, yeah, I just started that journey. I was like, I literally got there with, I had sold my car when I got out of the military and I just had like some possessions. So I, you know, put some stuff at my parents' place, moved that out, brought it over, um, to Texas. And then I just started like ground zero. I had, I knew nothing. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I like bought, a, um, a bike on Craigslist uh which was my mode my main mode of transportation by the way for like four months and then um i just started like exploring exactly what i said i started you know riding more i started uh found a half marathon that was in february and i just started training for that um and then i started going to guitar lessons i i literally just went online it was like guitar teacher austin and like searched for the the best ones out there and found one pretty quickly that felt really connected made it got a call started doing that and uh <laughs> it was fun because i used to literally take my guitar like i had a, a soft uh, cover um traveling case and i'd strap it on my back and i'd ride like 45 minutes on my bike to go to my guitar lesson <laughs> so it was uh it was a part exercise part uh learning more about how to play and so in this time, like I had so much space, like I'd never created this much space in my entire life. I mean, I, I had taken this huge break already and now I'm sort of recreating a life out of, out of nothing. Like I didn't have a template to start with. And so it was, like I said, it was a little bit jarring at times because at times it, I would, I used to say that the ground would fall beneath me. Like I'd get the sensation of like, holy shit, what the fuck is going on? Um, and I'd, I'd get this thing, you know, what I used to call an anxiety attack, but now I realize it's just my, it's just a reaction that I was having. That I didn't know how to deal with. And so I'm asking the big, these big questions about like meaning and purpose and what the fuck am I doing? And, um, and at the same time, I'm exploring these areas that I really was yearning to explore, um, you know, having my own, having a place with my roommates and like, you know, my roommate started playing, um, a friend of mine, he started playing, uh, like techno stuff and you know he had his dj equipment and we just had a really eclectic fun vibe in our house uh we brought a ping pong table we just there was a lot of fun happening um started smoking weed you know i know i didn't do that since i was like i don't know junior in high school so it was a long time and so and at the same time really just like struggling with um you know i literally would look at, i remember waking up in the mornings and like looking at myself in the mirror like my long hair which by the way it's long again uh and I didn't know who I was. I was like, I'm not, I'm not sure who this guy is. And I don't know how this guy fits into this new world with that, where no one knows me. Um, so anyway, ended up uh, finding a job through a friend of a friend at a birthday party, connected with a guy who was a coach, a high school lacrosse coach. Um, and we chatted. I played lacrosse at Navy uh, Club Lax and I had a ton of fun there um, as a defenseman and uh, got a chance to play or got a chance to talk to him about coaching. And he was like, whoa, man, have you ever thought about coaching? Like, you know, went to Navy, it'd be awesome. You know, we actually need another person. So I'd love you for you to come by our, our tournament this weekend. And I was like, well, all right, fuck it. I guess I'll go check it out. So I went and, and 
check that out. And they were like, hell yes, man. Like we would love to have you on board. And then, you know, that conversation led to starting to coach in, in, uh, yeah, like the next month, three weeks later. So I started coaching. Um, and yeah, and like, again, it brought back like passions that I'd had in the past. I'd sort of completely left behind when I left college. Um, and now my life was like, you know, learning how to play guitar, you know, training for a half marathon, coaching lacrosse. And, and it was the perfect amount of time at the time. Like it was only like two hours a day, right? A coach. And then like whatever preparation I had to, to bring to, to the guys any drills or whatever. So maybe like another hour and a half in preparation. Um, and so my life felt really, really rich. And I still felt really disconnected from myself in that fundamental way of like, what is my identity? What is, what is the purpose of what I'm doing? Where am I going in any direction? And all those thoughts coming up of, um, you know, I used to be a captain in the Marine Corps. Now I'm doing coaching high school kids and like grade school kids. What the fuck am I doing? Um, and, uh, at the same time I was like, why well, I, I not quite making enough cash, you know, working here. So let me make a little extra. And I, I decided to start, um, delivering lunches for people. I literally did like, a, it's kind of like a DoorDash thing down in Texas called favor. And, uh, you know, did that for like three hours a day during the lunch period. And I made a little bit extra cash. And again, it was like in, in some, in some ways it let me discover Austin really, you know, really cool way. Cause I had to deliver all over the place. Um, and I got to see the city from this perspective that I'd never, I'd never really thought of, um, going into people's apartment buildings, delivering things. I was like, wow, this is such a weird and interesting way to see a city. And at the same time, I had all these stories coming up about like, uh, dude, you're like a Navy grad and you're the cream of the crop, all the stuff that used to feed us when we were in school. And so the, these conflicting beliefs were starting to happen. Um, and so then COVID happened a few months later. So my, my journey, uh, got cut off in that way. Um, I decided at that time to take the safe route, you know, and in hindsight, I realized there was a lot of fear around like what was happening. Um, and I didn't have the first, I didn't, I wasn't making much money at coaching and I didn't know how to piece that together, um, to create my own thing. So I did take a coaching course, which was really, really powerful and beneficial for me, which I'll, I could talk about later, but, um, I didn't actually end up creating that business. Uh, coaching business, I, I decided to take a corporate gig. Um, so I took a big, uh, went to one of these big consulting firms here in DC where I live now. Um, and within like a month I had a job, I, you know, cut my hair. I was like, all right, I need to get serious. And one of the things that was, I was yearning for was to have my own place, which I'd never done. I never even considered it to be honest with you. So having my own place and all these, and then like actually having a really nice income and using some of the skills I brought in from the military. I was like, all right, cool you know, maybe I need to leave all this like journeying and adventuring behind to like get serious, quote unquote, like, like get a, get a life. Um, so that was the story I had then. And I, I could completely out of fear, um, decided to make this decision. Um, and to be honest, it was like, there was a sense of comfort around the safety, this perceived safety of, um, an institution like what I, the, the company I used to work for, um, because there was, there were, there was hierarchy, there was, uh, you know, salaries, super high paying. It was, um, you know, talking about strategy and, uh, all these different things that I had associated with success at a young age. Um, and that felt much more comforting than the, than the, uh, per, than the thing I would call chaos back then 
of like entrepreneurship or having a coaching business or, or coaching or whatever. <laughs> so I took that gig, moved to DC, had my own place. And, um, you know, within, it was really great up front. You know, there's a lot of input, you know, all of a sudden I'm making six figures. I bought a brand new car. I've got my own apartment, which is awesome. Uh, but it's still COVID, so there's not much going on. So I'm mostly in my own space and, and working online. And within like four months, I was like, dude, what the fuck, man? I'm in a very similar place that I was uh, a year ago or a year and a half ago. Like, this is like Marine Corps 2.0, except like I don't have as many people that I'm in charge of. And, um, but it was fundamentally very similar. Like, there was a hierarchy. There was things you needed to, there were steps you needed to climb in order to get to this perceived retirement or, you know, position to be a, um, a partner in the firm or, or whatever it is. And so I, I, I talked to a lot of people in that uh, time period about, you know, in that time I was researching grad schools, going to MIT to do some supply chain thing, which is, you know, more, more related to logistics or getting an MBA or uh, I, I, I explored a bunch of different areas and they all made sense on paper. Um, and I was super unhappy with every time I would go to the end of that, I would start procrastinating it. And I realized like when I was procrastinating, I was, I was like, oh, I actually don't care about this. I actually don't want to do this. And I don't know where to go. So that that was like my moment of my, my I would say my deepest moment of crisis and purpose and meaning happened you know, three or four months into this super high paying job at, at this big firm. Um, and that's when I say that like my, my real transformation began uh, through this program called Training Camp for the Soul, uh, where I did three months of, yeah, essentially like looking at my entire belief system and understanding where I'd learned these things, like what actually created these narratives um, in my life and how I could actually overcome them. So that those, those, those three months really led me into deciding, like really connecting with what I truly wanted and and what my heart desired, like what my intuition was leading me to and uh, leaving that in, you know, after a series of saving and doing some, some bean counting here, um, ended up leaving in September of last year. And since then I've been coaching, uh, uh, partly doing some mentorship in that same program for people going through it now. And then also uh, starting the Rising Warrior with a couple other veterans um, to bring this work to, to vets and first responders as well. Uh, and that's where I am right now. That's a, <clears throat> that is a, uh, a long and winding road. Um, and I, I think a lot of people that, that get out uh, are scared of a story like that. <laughs> I I tell you what, like I I, uh, I was a guest on a podcast not too long ago, and I got the same question, like, oh, tell me about yourself, and like, I don't know, twenty five minutes later, I was done, and I and I and here I am, and um, the I guess the purpose behind this this series that is yet to be named, but just um, service members talking about their transition back to civilianship. Um, I heard a lot of, I took a lot of notes and I, and I heard a lot of, uh, I heard a lot of similar things. Um, so you and I are both training camp grads, so we'll definitely talk about that. Um, I heard fear. Mm -hmm. I heard, um, I heard that, that voice in your head, like, 
I was a Marine Corps captain. What, what am mm-hmm. I doing delivering food? You know, I'm yeah, a high yeah. school coach, right? I mean, I was a uh, army master sergeant uh, with mm-hmm. 20 years of experience and, and same thing. Like I'm, I'm, what am I doing with my life? Like I, I literally, I was like, God, I think I'd be super happy if I just worked at a coffee shop. Mm. And I, I, I didn't do that. Like I was like, well, maybe I'll just apply at caribou coffee and like, I'll just see people and like figure out what I want to do with my life. And I, there, there are, I didn't do it. Cause I was like, I have to put, I have, I need to have references. And the only references I have are friends I have or like people mm-hmm. I served with. And they're going to look at me like you gave up E8 pay <laughs> to work at caribou coffee. You know what I mean? And right. Right. The, that was all in my head though. Like, mm-hmm. I, I like how you, how you mentioned like the story I told myself, cause that's exactly what it was. I could have put every person I ever worked with on that, on that application as a reference. And they would have just said that, yeah, Sarah's an awesome person who like cares about what she does and is going to be a fantastic fit if she wants to do this, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, exactly. It's I, a huge thing. Cause we have, you know, there's so many, there's so many masks you've worn in, in the military. And, uh, especially if you've been in like positions of leadership, uh, I mean, this goes for everybody, but there's something unique about once you get to a certain uh, threshold of leadership that you, you somehow believe that you're too good for things or that, um, th- things are beneath you, or at least that's the way you've been cu- acculturated or you have these beliefs around it that either the military gave you or that your family gave you, you know, we can get into that, but, um, you know, that you're yearning to do something different. What you said, like, I just want to work in the coffee shop. And at the same time, you have all these limiting stories around like, you know, am I a piece of shit? Like, what will people think of me? What is, you know, what will my parents, my family, my community, like all of these stories about like whether or not you should do something based on what other people should um, think about what you're doing. And honestly, ultimately, like how you're going to feel about yourself when you're doing that thing. Um, so, yeah, I totally resonate with that. Yeah, it it's wild. Uh, it's wild because uh, the other the other two things I picked up on that were real similar are um, you started to do things that you did when you were a kid, like mm-hmm. with yeah. music and writing and, and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how that how that affected like getting to your heart's desire, you know, like what did Mm -hmm. I used to, like, I found myself, I, uh, I found myself like shooting baskets again. And I, I literally hadn't done that for literally probably since high school. Like, and I used to shoot hoops all the time. And there's something about being in the military that like, and I don't know when it happens, um, but like, you're an adult now, you're a professional, you need to act like a professional, have military <laughs> yeah. bearing. And it's, uh-huh. it's those things that like, that I, I think that like, in my mind, that's what drove the, and it wasn't like a, you're too good for this. It was mm. like, you failed. You know, if I went, mm. go work, if I went and go, went to go work at a coffee shop, it's like, what do you, you're an adult. Yeah. Adults uh-huh. don't do that. Adults fulfill their obligations and they fulfill their responsibilities. And, uh, and luckily, like, fortunately, I, I, I continued to explore. Um, I didn't, I didn't go 
I didn't go to, I, I tried kind of to, uh, to find a corporate gig for a few months. And then I like, had luckily been outside a training camp. So I had that, like, I felt like I, 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 I could, I felt my, like, I just, I, I felt that it wasn't Mm -hmm. right. So I was able to Mm -hmm. pivot and nine, four coaching since then has really taken off, but I want to, I want to talk about, I want to talk about training camp Yep. because that's like a, a shared experience that we have. But then Mm -hmm. I also want to, because everything we've talked about is going to frighten away the veteran, like, (laughs) like your standard veteran, but there are people that are going to hear what we're talking about and they're going to have felt it. And they're going to be somewhere on that road. And they're going to be like, Holy shit. I, I've been on that road too. So I, I acknowledge that we're like, we've done some, some like soul, like dark night of the soul, uh, work. And, and I also acknowledge that like, it may take people like, it may be a long lead up. Right. Cause like we didn't sure, yeah. separate. And then all of a sudden like go burn down our lives, going to training camp and figuring out that we needed to unlearn a, b- a bunch of things. But I think it's really important to, to embody that experience because mm-hmm. it was just like, I wouldn't be the person that I am. I wouldn't have nine, four coaching. I wouldn't have reached out to you as soon as I found the rising warrior. Um, and we wouldn't be having this conversation and that. And yeah. to me, it's, it's really important because most, a lot of people aren't having enough of these conversations and um, mm. it's, it's a, it's, it's just, it's an, an important conversation to have. So uh, tell me yeah, about yeah. your, well, I'll give people a background on training camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, did you go virtual or in person? Yeah, virtual. Okay. Well, I did the retreat afterwards, but yeah, virtual first. Okay. So I, I did the, I think it was the second uh, virtual offering that they had, but it's a, it was a 13 week course. Mine started in May of 2019 and finished on uh, September 4th of 2019, which is why nine, four coaching is relevant. It's for September Mm. 4th. And Oh, cool. Yeah. It was, uh, it was the catalyst for Mm. every, like my fourth quarter of 2019 uh, from the out. I think my parents, um, and like close family members thought I was going to live under a bridge or jump off a bridge for a while. Cause it, it was, uh, wow. it, it was, it, it got, uh, how, how they tell you at training camp is like, when you, when you know, like when you figure out, when you feel your heart, you can't like, you can't stop that train. You can't unsee um, it. That's right. Can't unsee it. And, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of transformation all for the good, but all very drastic and all, mm-hmm. um, ultimately like ultimately really good um so a 13-week program like you said it it it's an unlearning of of uh coping mechanisms that don't serve that don't serve Mm -hmm. us we talk about self-esteem and we talk about um desire like desire we -hmm. talk about um where we learned all of those things from, and then how do we unlearn them? We, you know, we generate this awareness, but then we have to process through it and replace those, those limiting beliefs with something new. We got to replant, uh, not calls it gardening. Basically you're, you're weeding the garden mm-hmm. and really getting down to the roots of, of mm-hmm. those limiting beliefs. And, um, what was, what was your experience with training camp? 
and you can like add mm. on to to add on to uh to my description of training camp too yeah 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 for sure um so um i've been in the training camp space now for like a year and a half almost uh i started october 2020 and i finished my 90 day in because of the holidays i think it was march uh went to the retreat in april they have a four-day immersion uh retreat and then uh I joined their mastery program essentially to, to actually learn how to coach this um, uh, in June. Yeah, June to now I've been doing that. So um, at that time, you know, I it was jarring. It was it was I mean, first of all, I felt like magic the first time you somebody takes you through a hot seat. And uh, for those of you that have heard about somatic healing, it's essentially when you get to understand the connection between emotions and the body, like emotions not being this label, you're saying happiness, sadness, anger, but rather a sensation in the body of what it actually feels like, what anger is in your body. Um, and so learning that, I remember, I remember being on our small group call and being facilitated through a, a hot seat, a healing seat, and <laughs> feeling like this person literally just did magic on me. I, I, I couldn't believe it. It was, it was unbelievable at that time. And, um, it's at the same time, like, uh, you know, going to your apocalypse or being at your apocalypse, which is just like, people call it ego death. People call it, uh, night shadow. What did you call it? Uh, um, dark night of the soul. Yeah, dark night of the soul. Um, it's basically, you know, if you, if you take all the labels off, it's all of the, identities you've been up or you've been holding for your life until this point coming to a head like whatever you've been doing hasn't been working and you're right at the edge of here's who i think i am and here's who i really am and you don't know who you really are until you let go of all the things that you think you are and that is really what can be a difficult part of the journey and the most truly the most beautiful part of it is releasing letting go of it um so um it's, it's one of the reasons I don't refer to it as a battle, which is what most, a lot of veterans and first responders have the conversations around the inner battle and this inner struggle. And I understand that language and I, I use it to sort of bridge the gap in, in, in as we're talking about it, but the, truly it's, it's about knowing the deeper parts of your subconscious. Um, and in, in training camp for the soul just allowed me to see all these different layers that have been built up from the time I was, you know, five years old, all the way up to, to when I became an adult and how the military is just, it, it's like a, it's, it, for me, it was a, um, uh, it was a pressure cooker of all the things that I had been programmed with as a, as a child. Um, and, and not to mention all the different programming that happens, like when you're in boot camp in the military, when you earn a new rank, like all the cultural narratives that are happening there they just add to all your challenges and so um training camp for the soul was like the first time i realized that i had been what i didn't even know what a pattern was i remember at the time when i first started i was just i was i was reading a bunch of stuff about um these, these like kind of uh wizards in in psychotherapy like carl jung and um uh, I was reading myth through Joseph Campbell. I was, I was piecing some things together about, for me, it started with the hero's story, hero's journey, excuse me, through Joseph Campbell and like 
how it was all in our media and our stories. And, and I was like, how the f I remember used to, you know, watching stories about heroes when I was a kid. And like, I know that affected the reason I decided to be in the military. Um, and so I started, that's back then I was reading all these like spiritual teachers and, and mythologists. And at the same time, trying to understand purpose and meaning in this grander way. Um, and always, you know, placing it outside of myself. It was this thing that I needed to go find as if purpose was out there somewhere to like grab it. Uh, and it, it, you know, it's what a lot of people, I would say most people I know are looking for. They're looking for this externalized purpose that they can, that they can latch onto. And especially if you've been in the military, because the military has a very sneaky way of giving it to you, but not giving it to you truly. It, it promises you that thing. And it can't actually hold on to it because you, you realize that immediately when you when you leave, you're like, oh, shit, that didn't work. Like the thing I was looking for wasn't there. So TCS for me was essentially like un, unlearning all these behaviors and patterns and understanding what limiting beliefs even are and how to replace that stuff with things that are actually empowering. And then at the end, realizing that purpose is an internal game. The purpose is an internal uh, – it, it's a feminine – energy that we try to find with a masculine energy like we, we try to like make a purpose or build a purpose or find a purpose when it's really a discovering internally so tcs really opened that up for me in a way that i i truly didn't know was possible and, and across different levels it wasn't just a cognitive thing understanding it was it was very very physical it was it was sensations i'd never felt and so um i think after I know after the retreat, especially having been in that space was, was really powerful because it was the first time I could, you know, after that 12 week of essentially like cultivating that new skill and then act the retreat, giving me this opportunity to see it from in person was, was really powerful for me. I, I've been, uh, learning that like no, nothing like we, like you said, all the words are an approximation until you experience something that you just, you can't like, uh, it's, it's describing honey versus tasting honey. If mm -hmm. you've tasted honey, then you, then you like, then there's like this shared common, common language around it. And, um, the, the one thing that, that you were talking about is like, uh, that I think a lot of veterans and a lot of military folks, um, I don't know if it's, probably programmed well before that, but it's that unfeeling, right? Like maintaining a military bearing, right? You can't mm. get the only, it's the only emotion that was like free to, to, uh, to acknowledge was like frustration and anger, anger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what I found, so I was very, like, I found myself very disconnected and I, I like hung on to that. I have my shit together. I'm a logist. I was a logistician to you. Um, it is our, it's our job to, see every obstacle before it appears and overcome <laughs> it, it just like it was this mm -hmm. impossible mission for mm -hmm. uh logisticians are like the offensive linemen of the military because like you're mm. only on somebody's radar when you screw up mm, that's so a good point yeah if logistics go bad then then it goes real bad but if it's if it went smoothly no one says anything yeah. no one says anything um yeah. it, so just with that like high standard that I had for myself. So once again, mm -hmm. it was like that same story, um, feeling like having those sensations and, and releasing. So crying that is, mm -hmm. yeah, 
just just like saying those words we probably lost a bunch of audience members <laughs> um because because i i mean i was 30 nine 38 when i went through training camp and i had mm. by then i had had almost a full 20-year career in the military i had signed up like three weeks after i turned 18 and i thought to my like i remember thinking like because i knew like i was repeating a pattern i had uh i had left the the a full the full-time force for the army national guard mm. and i became a crossfit coach and i got my dream job a job that i wasn't ever in my mind, I, I could never live up to just because I, I didn't start coaching when I was 23. And I wasn't, yeah. 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 And I wasn't like a great athlete. So I was already like in that I need to earn this right. Earned, not given, which is a mm-hmm. whole nother rabbit hole that we can go down. But mm-hmm. um, I found myself I like in the same position, only faster and it was worse. And then <laughs> I was like, I'm the problem. Like, mm. you know, and I like, I knew I was the problem. I knew I needed to do something, but I was like, if I start feeling these feelings, cause I was really good at like compartmentalizing. Mm-hmm. And I think the army, like just one of those like life skills that they tell you they're going to teach you. One of those is like compartmentalization mm-hmm. and it works until it doesn't. And when it doesn't work, mm-hmm. having support of like, I have all these boxes and I need to start unpacking them. I thought to myself, if I start crying now, I will never be done. Like I will cry for the rest of my life because mm. of all these boxes that I, you know, put all these feelings into. And the truth is, is when you feel them, they're gone. Like when you, when you fully mm-hmm. process your feelings and you sit in those healing seats or those hot seats and you fully like embody that actual like what am i feeling right now where is it in my body where did i learn that like you don't even have to know you don't even have to have words around it but if you can feel it and you can like Mm -hmm. love on it and Mm -hmm. and let that knowing come to you and um it's once you're dealt with it or processed it through it's gone uh yeah i know anat talks about uh like a, a, a child, like an actual baby or a, like an actual toddler, they feel their feelings all the time. Every time. Yeah. And, and it can be the worst 20 minutes of their life. And then they're hugging on you and like loving and wanting Playing, to go yeah. play. And, uh, and that's important to, I think that's important to, uh, to, to describe because um, when we don't deal with stuff, that's when, like that's when it's just like, well, if I, I deal with it, I got to deal with it again. And it's like, you don't, it's, it's right. actually gone. Yeah. And I, I, I even would tweak that language that, um, dealing with it is much more about allowing it than it is about like trying to solve it, which is usually when, when, especially a lot of veterans and, and military members were, were trained, like you said, compartmentalize and solve the problem. Um, you know, I, I would say, especially if you're a planner, if you're a, a staff person who's like trying to make sure everything's good to go, um, you're not necessarily just allow the idea of allowing your emotions is, is like a foreign concept to most. I would say most people, but especially in this community, um, and then not labeling it anything other than like a sensation I felt in my body um, is is such. I'm here to tell you, it's like an extremely liberating experience to just 
feel it as it is. Um, and that I would say is the first layer of it. Like, like just getting in tune with your body and realizing that your emotions are connected to your body and feeling them. Like there are things that we have, uh, been trained into holding back from, uh, I heard the word recently that I really connected with, with you've been given a template by your family, by your community, by where you grew up, all these different things. You have a template of who you think you are. And then over, as an adult, you've, you've basically hammered that in. So there are things like you mentioned the, the story of, of a little kid who just goes to play after he's cried. You know, are you, were you the kind of kid who would cry and, and dad would tell you, suck it up? Uh, you know, in that moment, he implanted you with a belief that it's not manly to cry. So you may have created an entire identity around not being able to cry because you think it's weak. So and this is a very common one for men, especially military guys. Um, and then uncoupling that and being and giving yourself the permission to just cry and feel whatever's there for you in the beginning has this like explosive experience of like, because you're so used to holding tightly onto that sadness or whatever it is you're holding on to. And then all of a sudden it's like, ah, you let it out. And so you, you, you know, some people experience these like huge emotional, um, you know, from the outside looking in, it looks like an outburst or, or this huge expression, but really it's just, you haven't felt it before. So you have no idea what it's like to be sad, uh, or it's like to feel sadness in your body and you're, you're resisting it. That's really what it is. Like every time we're, we're not allowing ourselves to feel something, we're resisting it. And the pattern usually shows you that you it's coming back up in sneaky ways. You're creating this, like you're compressing something that's not meant to be compressed in the human, in human spirit. And then it's going to come out in some way through some self-sabotage or some different, essentially disempowering or self-sabotaging behavior. Um, those common ones are like addictions, uh, you know, it's drinking, smoking cigarettes. Like I'm not even getting into the, the drugs or anything, just the, the, the surface ones or, or, you know, even fitness, by the way, a lot of, a lot of military vets use this as a, as a wound, as a, a salve to the wound. They just fucking grind themselves to a pulp at the gym. Uh, and so really noticing like what your patterns are like, Hey, am I doing this thing because I, it's filling me up and it feels like something that's really nourishing and useful for me, or am I doing this because I'm escaping something from myself? And notice, like, where are you escaping from yourself? Like, really n n start narrowing it down in your life. Like, write down all those areas where you're escaping from yourself. And, and this, this whole process we've been talking about, like, allows you to get past that, unlearn that behavior. What would you, um, what would you say? So, so you had talked, uh, you know, I'm hearing, um, like, like, feel, feel the sensations in your body and then also notice um, so feeling and noticing are, are, they're slightly different. Are those, if, if there was a veteran that's, that's listening to this conversation is like, I don't even know where to start. This seems like a lot, but it also like something inside them resonates. They don't have words for mm -hmm. what's like, where, do, where would anybody like start, like start, mm. start? Uh, well, the first thing I would say is get your thoughts on paper. Um, that is the absolute first place. I think journaling is one of the most powerful practices to, f to start, to begin the journey to understanding uh, what's going on in there. So 
uh, buy a journal, grab a pen, and just do, uh, you know, 15 minutes every day for two weeks and give yourself an opportunity to just whatever's there, whether you're angry, sad, upset, whether you're thinking about nothing, just give yourself a practice of getting to know who you are um, or what's going on beneath the hood. I'd say that's the first place to start. Um, and that you'll start to see some patterns here and there, and that will lead you to the emotional piece, which will lead you deeper into the rabbit hole. I, I love, yeah, I love journaling. It's, um, it's definitely one, like between that and getting outdoors, those are like, it, I think it, it was super powerful in training camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, uh, like, that was, that was a huge, that's what I tell people, uh, also. And I love the fact that it's like, look inside yourself. You know? Yeah, right. Exactly. Because like you were saying, like the military is really good about, uh, giving us missions and then mm-hmm. we're just trained to like seek that external validation mm-hmm. and to to suggest or invite them hey look inside yourself see see who is in someone something is in there give that a like give that a give that a place to to be where you can think about it feel it write it on paper and you can kind of get to know yourself a lot better mm-hmm. um yeah. what are what I want to talk about a couple things, a rising warrior. And then, I, mm-hmm. and then, um, and then I, I just have like one more question. I want to be respectful of your time. Um, with the rising warrior, what, not what, um, what barriers or challenges are the people that are coming to you? What are, how are those people overcoming those challenges and what are those challenges? If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that, it, absolutely. Um, I'd say broadly people are struggling with, with what we just talked about um, earlier on in the conversation. Some people are, some people are self-aware enough to, to, to have this like purpose meaning questions that are coming up for them. These larger, who the fuck am I type of questions. Um, and then we've met a lot of other people who are just burnt out. They're just like, Dude, whatever I'm doing isn't working. I'm completely uh, incapable, like, you know, internal turmoil, physically burnt out, lack of sleep. Um, and so people usually come to us with with that experience of like, you know, I've been using all these tools and tactics, but it's, it's not really working for me long term. I just have, you know, whatever, workout plans and all these different things that I think I'm supposed to do, but I don't actually it's not working. Um, and then, uh, you know, there's, there's kind of two groups. I'd say those are, that's one group. And then the other group is people who are, uh, just newly transitioned. Um, and they're just trying to find their foothold in, in the world, in the civilian world. So, you know, maybe they're not quite at the depth of like asking these bigger questions or noticing that they're in pattern of some kind, but they have, don't have a lot of the tools to, 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 I'll say it like this: There's a lot of play, there's a lot of gaps between writing a resume, which is basically what they teach you at the end of when you get out of the military, and then what's available uh, in these like veteran organizations. Like they give you all kinds of free shit. You can have these experiences or whatever, but the legitimate tools to change, to to create a vision for your life, to set actual 
goals that are connected to what you truly want rather than just random things. Um, and to, and to communicate with people, like how do you communicate your experience with uh, people who are outside of the military when you get out? Um, how do you keep in touch with your friends? Like, cause you know, when you get out of the military, you don't see these people anymore. They're all over the country all of a sudden. So there's these really tangible human experience things that happened right after you're out of the military that a lot of those guys are, are challenged with. So I would say there's two groups of people that, that we are, uh, supporting and, and creating programs for, the, for them has been really interesting and challenging and at the same time, really rewarding. Is it, uh, I guess, is it fair to say that the programs are, um, it's help, it's giving people tools to look inside themselves for answers? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would say that no matter what, you're gonna be looking within yourselves for those answers and we'll give you some tools uh, to, to communicate better, to, uh, improve, you know, people love the word to use the word mental health, which I, there's a huge umbrella of what that means, but, uh, and I would say that, uh, the tools will be helpful to you no matter what. Um, it just depends on how far you're personally willing to take your own journey. So you, you know, I talked about my journey. I did like, I've technically only been out of the military for three years and it, it feels like I've been out for 10 because I took so many different winding paths through that experience. And so it all depends on where you are on that journey. It has nothing to do with time. It has nothing to do with um, your maturity level. It has nothing to do with how old you are. It's, it's all about where you are in, uh, in your personal state of consciousness. So if you're ready to do the deep stuff, cool, let's, let's take a ride. Um, and if you're just ready, you just want some tools to be able to help your transition, ease your transition, make it more, I really prefer, I don't, you know, our, our mission isn't to relieve you of pain. It's to help you skillfully navigate it. So through more for, through more self-understanding and, and, and self-development. I, I love that message. Um, the, like taking it, I take it another a spin on it. It's like, once you learn land navigation, right. You can get right. dropped anywhere and you'll figure it out. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's like internal, it's like that internal navigation. Once you, once you have those tools, um, emotions are going to come like life just has a way of unfolding. Mm -hmm. oh, it'll and, come up. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and having those like, it, it, having those fundamentals, those like cornerstone habits of, of journaling and, and being curious and playing and giving yourself an opportunity to like detach and, and, and be curious and see what happens. Like, like you said, those are, those are skills that transition to everything. And, and I'm really glad you said also that if you're ready to go deep, we can go deep, but if you're just want to see what's out there then then come on over too because curiosity it, curiosity is the most important thing and mm -hmm. if we if you don't go like we're not telling everybody to come to training camp we're not trying to be anybody's gurus we're just two people you're just you know somebody i found on instagram that i loved your message and talked to you for a half hour a week ago and i was like this guy's my people you know and having conversations like just us two chatting is is important for other veterans to even like hear or to to know that like 
if there's that weird feeling of like, there's gotta be something more. I, when I resigned uh, from the guard, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew I couldn't stay there anymore. And I didn't know I could, I couldn't stay there anymore. I didn't have words for it. I couldn't articulate mm-hmm. what I was feeling. I just knew I felt like it was right. And I had was grateful. My family trusted me enough to, to, to ride the ride with me. Um, I tell me about the rising warrior. I have one question and then I'll, yeah, yeah. We got another half hour here, so you can keep going. Yeah. Um, where do you, where do you see, like, what's your, what, what is the the biggest goal? Like, is it not scalability, but do you want to have broad impact or deep impact or both? like impact's not the right word but like yeah um great question really great question broad or deep i would say both of those things and what we're doing is totally different than what's out there right now um so you know our biggest goal is to serve ten thousand people um through our program and you know that's our pie in the sky 10-year goal and we also recognize that because this is a it's an inner journey this is a a journey you take with your you know with this this warrior brotherhood and sisterhood it's um it's we want to create community around this um healing this transformation so you know huge part of of what happens after you've learned all these tools and you've, you've had an opportunity to like quit your job and change your life is, is sustaining that thing um, and actually continuing to apply it. So creating that community around it is really, really huge for us. Um, and so somebody like who's, who's resonating us could, could resonate with us, could come into our world, go through the program and then stay connected to all the people who are also doing this work, who are also exploring themselves deeper and really like learning what it means to go from surviving to thriving in real time in their lives. So, um, you know, broad and deep, I would say deep is more and more present to me right now. And um, it's a matter of, of how we shift the paradigm for ourselves personally. It's, it's you know, this belief work, you start realizing that it's, it's, you first change within yourself and that then shows up in your life. Um, and so being able to create that for others through our program, um, and changing the paradigm out there that's out there right now in the veteran market, it's, it's what it is. It's a market. There's like all these nonprofits and foundations that are helping veterans in one way or another. Um, we've we, well, we've realized that it creates a certain sense of dependency because if you actually look this is kind of interesting i went through the rabbit hole of you know what legally makes a, a, a non-profit a non-profit you literally just go to the irs website and check it out um and to get that tax exemption you have to be a charitable organization which means none of the revenue can go to any one person who owns it or any of the people who, who like run the thing. Right. And so they, that's why there are boards on it and they decide like what to pay the, the executive director or whatever. So, um, you know, the, 
you know, I'm getting a little deep here, but it's inherent in the whole makeup of those organizations. And they're doing, some of them are doing really great work. So this is not to take away from that. And there are, there's an inherent flaw in the, in the charity piece of it, because it's there, someone is giving to you and you're receiving. That's not necessarily a bad thing. And it can create a, a culture of dependency on these things rather than okay, how am I living my life? What choices am I making? Where am I choosing to invest in? Um, so that's one of the that's one of the really unique. I would say it's true for most of for most people in general, and it's especially true of this this um, uh, you know the, our veteran community. Like, and it's true for first responders as well. By the way, people really want to give and donate and, and and whatever, and it's like you know I'm really happy that that's out there and that people want to support and it's your journey, man. Like you're out of the military now. Like, do you really truly want to take charge of your life in a way that's authentic to you and connect with your yourself at a deeper level? Then there's an energetic exchange that happens when you actually pay for something that you actually invest in yourself for something. It, I'm like, I can tell you from experience from the last couple of years, it, it completely shifts the paradigm. It's not about the money necessarily. It's about the energy exchange between you and the person that you're trusting to help you through this transformation. So that's a long winded answer to saying deep and broad. No, I, I really like what you brought up. Um, it, especially being a for-profit. So my coaching practice, obviously I'm a for-profit, uh, business also. And mm -hmm. there, it, it brings me back to, uh, Sebastian Younger's book tribe, where he talks about victimizing veterans and like, just mm. perpetuating that victim mentality and that like people that do hard things just want to contribute, you know, like there's nothing more like demasculating or, you know, like taking, like chipping away at the, not even like pride or ego in a bad way, mm -hmm. but, but taking, like taking down the, the, that self esteem that someone gains by doing something hard going through a like going like surviving uh defending uh mm -hmm. the nation then to come home and and be looked at like you're broken and people just want to give you money because they don't know what you experienced but they imagined it was the most worst thing that ever happened to anybody and then all of a sudden you get that in your mind it's that it's that template it's the mentality of a broken mm -hmm. service member and like when you get out hey make sure you get your va disability make sure you go get your va compensation or whatever and it's not out of malice. It's, it's just something that, that we need to like look at and address and, and, yeah. and provide that, like, there's nothing more, uh, for my practice in general, it's self-efficacy. I can influence positively my life. I can design it. And that doesn't mean I have to do it on my own. It means I get to decide, I get to ask for help. I have like, it is like, I'm the captain of my ship. I, like I am the, the master of my soul. I think I got that backwards, but uh, from Invictus mm -hmm. where it's like, it, it's that self-esteem piece. We, and that goes all the way back to training camp where that's one of the first things that we talk about. And to realize that I was a 35 year old master sergeant in the army and my self-esteem was trash. And anybody that knows me or knew me back then would have been no chance that would have been true, but, mm, it no. but every, like every, I was such a high achiever because I needed 
Mm-hmm. In my head, the story I told myself is I needed to achieve in order to like be valuable. And then all be of a sudden, valuable, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so circle, circle roundabouts, uh, I'm a hundred percent behind investing in investing in your future because that's a part of self-efficacy. That's a part of, I created, it's an energy exchange. Mm-hmm. I exchanged this resource in order to get this thing. And I mean, that's, that's, I, I totally agree. That's inherent in that, in that nature. Um, yeah, it's a little bit, it was a little bit different than what people are used to hearing mm-hmm. uh, in this space, at least. And, um, you know, in the future, I imagine I've, I have a vision that there'll be more of us uh, pe- coaches who have been in the military, who have been first responders, who have like gone through this journey, experienced their own personal transformations and gone back to coach others. Um, you know, like finding somebody who's an embodied teacher is what allows the, the actual transformation within you. And, and I'm, and the, the, here's the thing, you do the work, you do the transformation, you do all of it. What, what, what a teacher does, what a, what a coach does in this way, a transformational coach of some kind, it, they hold this frequency, this belief that you don't yet have. And by being in this, this container, this space with them, you're essentially borrowing that belief for a while and being like, whoa, holy shit, I really can do these things. And it, it's opening you up to that you can actually see the scope of what you're actually capable of. And now you get to f- sort of, you get to create that in your own life as an individual. So, you know, that's what the energy exchange, like the, the creating of that container, the holding of that frequency is what value is being brought to the table by that coach, by that person. So, um, you know, anything, and, and also, probably not anything you're used to. It's an exchange in, in, it's not an informational course. It's a transformational experience. So you, the information is not actually that much. Like you can look through all the classes and they're like 20 minutes long, each one of them. It's the density of the, of the, the depth and density of the information combined with the experience and wisdom of that teacher coach transformational uh, leader or whatever it is and that container you're creating with the people that you're choosing to go into this journey with so you know it, it's I'm, I'm imagining that this isn't something that most people are used to and at the same time uh it's it's a paradigm shift from being talked at giving a bunch of information like, hey here's a workshop here's a bunch of shit to do here's a bunch of you know tools to all right brother we're on this journey together like we're going to support you on this journey together and, you know, I'll bring my wisdom to you so that you can now apply to your life. And honestly, ultimately, I want you to create your own wisdom, like create your own perspective, create your own experience and say like, oh, wow, you know, I tested out these things and here's what I've gained from it. Here's the insights that I have from it now, which is a huge paradigm shift for most. And I, I, it's, it's a really powerful way to, to change your life fundamentally inside, not outside. I love that do would you say like would this be valuable for people that are still serving because of the i I have in my mind i have a hard time i have a hard time i have a hard time with that question because Mm. in yeah it like in when i knew like i needed 
I guess it's a story I told myself is in order to be a successful soldier, I needed to adopt some of those practices in order to, to be who I was and to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I was on, if I was on this journey, would it have taken away from my mission focus? Would it have put people's whatever lives at risk or whatever? Um, there, the, the, the organizations, the army needs to exist. Like it needs to keep rolling along, right? The, the services need to, they have a, a role to fill and it's not, I, I think for both of our cases, we're not here to change the organization. We're here to change. We're here to hold space for individuals to like evolve, right? Change, like open their hearts and like be, be all they can be, right? Just to, to take the old army um, marketing slogan, but, but it's really, we, we're not ne- like, I'm never going to change the army. I never want to change the guard, but I want every client that I have or every member, everybody I help to have that sense of being their own, their own hero for their own life or their own director, their own scriptwriter. Uh, yeah, it's a really great question. Um, yeah, we've, we've actually chatted about that on our team, you know, is this useful for people who are in the military and I would say to a degree, um, part of it is because when you're in that machine, there's so first, there's so many distractions of inherent to the mission. Um, and you're, you're on a daily basis, you would be fighting an uphill battle, not because there's a fight to be had, but because that's how that system works. Um, so I, 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 I imagine it'd be useful and you'd want to quit like almost immediately. You'd go through like four weeks of it and you'd want to quit. So um, I, I recommend being out of the military uh, for people who want to who want to take part of the, the, the course. And if you're open to it and you want to and you want to bring that into your life, you want to bring this this level of depth and understanding of yourself, then, you know, like power to you, kudos to you. Absolutely. You're welcome to be in it. Um, I, do I think it's going to be effective? 100%. Do I think you're going to get a lot of transformational experience from it? 100%. Is it going to be challenging to be in the military and have this level of self-awareness and information? Also 100%. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I imagine that it's, in my opinion right now, it's better to be you know, sort of free of that and um, out of the military. And part of part of it is because you most majority of the people who are in the military either haven't asked these questions to begin with, or if they are asking these questions, it's like trepidatiously. They're sort of softly answer, you know, asking, reading books about it, maybe just listening to podcasts about it. They're kind of dipping their toe, and that, I know because that was my my personal experience. I just kind of dip my toe in that thing. So um, I'm sure there are some people who would. Uh, they would still get a lot of value from it. And if you're out there and you're still in the military and you're listening to this, recommend that that you wait till you're till you're out of there. Um, and then go through this experience. Like a huge part of the transformational is to get to the place where you don't know what you want. To to you don't know what's next for you. You're not sure. And that that sh- that uh, uh, shakiness or or experience of not knowing what's next for you is actually the it's, it's what starts the journey to asking the questions that leads you to us.
Like when you're in that space of like, what the fuck am I doing? What's next for me? Why do I even care about this? What does success mean to me? What is my purpose? Those big questions are what leads you into into this inner journey. Um, and if you're ready, you're ready. I, yeah, I I can't agree more. I uh, it's it's a feeling more than like if you find yourself in a spot where you, it's a feeling like if people are listening to us just just talk and they're like. It, it was always like something in like in my heart, you know, I was like, oh, this is okay. There's something like, I just Being felt pulled. something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, the last, last question I have, yeah. um, is what is the best worst thing that ever happened to you? Whoa. That's, that's my, uh, that's my closing question for all, all of my future interviews. The best worst thing that ever happened. <laughs> Hmm. The best worst thing that ever happened to me. Oh, I got one. Yeah. Um, well, obviously I talked about my journey, so there were some, some best worst things in that part of it, but actually my best worst thing that I can think of right now was, um, my, my girlfriend back in 2017, breaking up with me after it was like the first person I told out loud that I was in love with her. Um, it it was, that was the best, worst thing that happened to me because, um, at that time, that was when I, you know, I'd been in the, in my unit for about two and a half years or so. And, uh, I was already a little, I was already a little bit burnt out. So I was like, what the fuck, what am I, you know, we weren't getting deployed as a battalion. So I was like, I'm just in the fucking sandbox doing all these things, training these guys all the time. Um, and her breaking up with me, she, um, was, was a catalyst for a lot of this inner work to start, to start questioning. I was like, I'm fucking miserable. I can't date anybody. Cause I live in the desert. She lived in San Diego. So I had to drive three hours every weekend to see her. Um, and then, you know, the sensations that I, I realize now after all the journeying I've done that was so necessary to start feeling that, um, I had panic attacks after she broke up with me. Um, there, I would literally be in the, in the motor pool, like with the guys and something would be happening. It would be brief. And I, I'd like run out and like go to my car and like breathe super hard. So that was one is, that was the best, worst thing that started for me a big part of the journey. I was always a, my friends would call me way too deep. Like I would always have these longer, bigger conversations about, you know, deeper topics. But, um, that was the first like tangible change that started me actually taking these things that I used to play with as like ideas and, you know, philosophizing more like, and actually asking these questions in real time. Like how did this actually apply to my life and how can I use it? So I would say that's the best, worst thing that happened to me. I, I would imagine that breakups are, are, are a catalyst for all kinds of things. And I'm really yeah. glad that it, it was, uh, gutting probably, but ultimately, oh, yeah ultimately beautiful yeah oh by the way like at the end of this journey is like it's not just like this inner thing shows up in your life as like really beautiful changes like more openness more ease more joy like i moved in with my my partner back in uh you know june i quit my job in september i started coaching i'm now running the company as ceo uh like all these things happened to me after I decided that like 
things need to change. So, um, you know, this isn't just like self punishment. It's, it's a, it's a journey to make life better as well, to make you capable of holding more, of being able to actually have the capacity to be with more things. It's not, it's not about blissed out like, oh yeah, I'm going to bliss out and do some weed or, or, or go do the psychedelics. It's, it's how do you actually apply this to your life so that you can enjoy it deep, more deeply, connect with more people. And at the same time, you know, allow yourself to follow that intuition, follow your heart in a way that feels really intuitive and true for you personally. That's, that's awesome. I, I, I appreciate it. I like, I can't say it any better either. It's, um, from, from someone who was like very buttoned down, I was very much a soldier, like super proud of that. Um, that's exactly, I, I find, I find this openness, this softness, this, uh, that wasn't, I, I was never, like, I was never like comfortable to share and, mm. uh, you know, and, and just now you're on podcast talking about it. <laughs> oh yeah, no, absolutely. It's it. And it's freeing. It's light. It's, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's not this like heavy, dark, weird thing. And mm -hmm. that's like the most beautiful part of it. Um, is there anything that I haven't covered that you want to talk about? Um, No, we're, we've got a couple things in the works right now. We're, we're coming up with a, a little newsletter for people to just kind of keep in touch with us via email on a weekly basis. You know, for a lot of vets don't have social media, especially some of the older guys. Um, so stay in touch there. And um, we're, we're developing a little mini course for, for, for those kind of earlier on the journey guys who just got out of the military trying to figure these things out. Um, like I said, we're not – we're not going to help you get a job. This isn't a resume writing course. It's not skills in the, in the marketplace. It's, um, the, the communication tools, the connection tools, the self understanding and vision, setting a vision for yourself tools that we can support you with, um, as a, uh, DIY course, you know, you get to, you get to take part in it, pay for it, do your thing, maybe, you know, have a couple checking calls with us, but outside of that, it's on you. Um, that, that's all in the works right now. So, yeah, if you're interested in following us, uh, my my own personal uh, Instagram at John D Perez Cruz um, on Instagram, and then the Rising Warrior at the dot Rising dot Warrior on IG and uh, RisingWarrior.com if you're uh, looking to check out our stuff. Yeah, and you got a good like an awesome podcast too that I've I've been catching up on. Oh, I don't know. Right. I don't. I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how often it gets updated. I know you got um, the ayahuasca series that's going on right now, but even the back episodes, I've I've listened to a bunch of them. Suicide awareness, trauma bonding. I mean, stuff that stuff that I would like to like have you and Sean and Lance on and, and really like dig like focus in on on some of those. Yeah. That's super important and it's stuff that we haven't even. We just hit the. This is like our intro. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We covered the basics. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. I would love to do that. Um, yeah, that's the last thing I forgot to mention. The podcast is, uh, we're about, so the, me, me, Sean, and Lance are TRW Talks. There's about eight or nine of those episodes, and then uh, 15 other episodes with guests. So um, we're going to switch it up here a little bit. Right now we're doing an ayahuasca series, so veterans and ayahuasca and their experiences with that. So if you're interested in, in psychedelic therapy, check that out. Um, and then, you know, our, our vision is to, to create uh, 
these conversations within our team, so these like shorter, maybe 20, 30 minute conversations that you, you just mentioned, suicide awareness, uh, trauma bonding, um, and then also have really cool experts and guests and, and speakers and teachers who can talk into some of these areas more deeply. So, um, you know, we had a not on the podcast a couple of weeks yeah. ago. Um, we've had some, some coaches some movement guys. Um, we've had a, a couple doctors come talk about a few different things. Um, so yeah, we want to really kind of take the landscape of, uh, self-development and personal growth to the veteran and first responder community out there and create a really cool, yeah, just our own little vibe. No, that's, that's awesome. I, I can't, I can't tell you how much that I, I just appreciate you just being like, existing uh you know just being out there on instagram it was awesome to connect um and like connect in in a real like in an actual real way not just a you know a, a heart um, whatever on the on instagram but actually <laughs> like as a real person i we need like i don't know it's it it's really difficult for veterans to find their people if they're not willing to to do some of this work. And that's why it's so important. Uh, like, that's why these conversations are so important. I'm feel super grateful to have found you guys. And, and I'm glad, you know, we've, we obviously have some like shared experiences. So like, it's, it's that layers of vetting to like, Oh yeah, this is a human being who's like solid. And the, er, like, I really believe in the rising tide. So we're, we're in the same space, but my success is your success and your success is my success. And ultimately if like everybody that that like touches the ripples the ripple effects like they're we're all gonna win so i just i love the the cooperation and i love like sharing what you guys are doing and uh just we'll, we'll all get there together yeah absolutely thanks for having me this is right. awesome thanks john um I, if you've got nothing else i will uh I'll catch you next time Oh, hey, friends, uh, before you leave, please, if you found this episode valuable, rate, review, subscribe on uh, whatever platform that you're listening to 94 Radio at. And uh, if you did find it super valuable, there's someone in your life that will benefit from it. Please share this episode with them. Um, also, you can catch me at 94 Coaching, all spelled out on Instagram. And if you want to connect, please shoot me a DM on Instagram and we will talk. Thanks.